everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Himalayan Bites. I'm Andrew Rich. And I'm Tony Damien. And today we're fortunate to be joined by the Chief Executive of the Takeovers panel, Alan Bullman, who's very kindly agreed to share some of his personal views on a few questions that Tony and I have. And Alan, to kick us off, now most people would say the Takeovers panel has been very effective. I'm sure you'd agree with that, uh, that idea. Any reason why it has been effective? What, what are the highlights for you? Well, I'd be biased in saying it's effective, but I think the main reasons why it's effective is the quality of our panel members being drawn from some of the best lawyers, investment bankers and company directors in the country. Also, the government has been very kind to us over the last 20 years by fully funding us, and many thanks to the federal government for that. And uh, apart from myself, also the members of the executive are, are um have been top quality and have really assisted the panel members throughout the 20-year history. They have to put up with me, but um, <laughs> other than that, um, the, the quality of uh, people like Tanya and, and Katrina and Mel and, and others in the team and previous previous members of the executive, um, some of whom actually sometimes come and help us from time to time, which we're very thankful for. Uh, and, of course, George Durbridge has worked with Herb Smith Three Hills and he was the uh, first counsel of the Takeovers panel. So they're, they're the main reasons. Yeah, very interesting, uh, Alan. Another question I've got relates to standing. There's been um, a number of calls from people who say that the panel should look more closely at the standing of applicants. So if an applicant has um, a questionable economic interest or a very low shareholding uh, in, in the company, uh, should there be more rigour put around uh, deciding whether or not to hear an application from such parties? So the, um, the definition of standing in the Corporations Act is incredibly broad. So, and we are very aware of standing issues as they come, but quite often when we look at the definition, it looks like people do have standing. I think there is an argument that respondents can make in response to a panel application, even if they think, oh, well, this, this person shouldn't have standing, but the, but the Act might suggest that they do. You could argue they're being vexatious. You could argue it's not in the public interest to, to pursue the matter. And I think the other thing I would mention is sometimes respondents sometimes overly focus on issues of standing when they could actually look at the underlying issues that are being brought. And there may be some simple solutions that could still mean that the panel can actually dismiss the matter fairly quickly. So I think... It's sometimes important to see what your size weaknesses are and go, okay, we've got some weaknesses, but if we actually say, look, we can do a little bit of this or a little bit of that, it'll fix things up and then you don't have to worry about this irritating shareholder applicant, then, then that's one way to deal with it. There is an excess to justice issue in all of this as well. Uh, shareholders sometimes have legitimate concerns and quite frankly, a lot of shareholder applicants have actually brought forward issues that either the panel has considered very carefully and some of which they've actually made declaration orders in relation to. Alan, another question, if I may. Uh, the panel's recently been quite active on the policy front. We've seen the proposed rewrites of the guidance notes on um, insider participation in control transactions and uh, also on lockup devices, uh, both of which were very well received by the industry. What else is on the policy front? One of the things we're looking at is our shareholder intention statements policy. We've had a bit of a think about how Truth and Takeovers works with shareholders. We're one of the few, I think the only jurisdiction in the world that actually extends Truth and Takeovers to shareholders. And that's had quite a lot over the last 20 years of that policy. 
that's had quite a lot of, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the word, um, knock-on effects that um, has led us to have the shareholder intention statements policy, but we're actually having to think that through a little bit more. Like, to what extent, for example, do you hold uh, shareholders, not a substantial shareholder, to their statement? Mm. How those 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 sort of statements uh, elicited that sort of thing. The other thing we're looking at, and it it, um, it actually touches on the standing issue, is how how applicants and respondents behave, um, making sure that uh, both of them actually stick to the logic of arguments and not raise too many side issues. Um, that's something we're looking at in terms of review of our costs um, policy. But there's also a very interesting little section in, in the corpse regs, not corpse regs, ASIC regs, um, that allows the panel to say in relation to a certain submission that it's actually struck off the record. And that may be actually quite useful. If some party goes on a frolic on something the panel's not interested in, if the panel can very quickly say to parties you don't need to rebut that, that might actually save some resources mm -hmm. and some time. And Alan, one issue that's doing the rounds in the market at the moment, the put up or shut up rule, any mm -hmm. movement at the station from the panel on that one? I think the panel will be looking at that in the next year or so. The extent to which it can do things is is, fun is a little bit, depends on its function because it's a good resolution body, it's not the regulator. Mm -hmm. So we'd need to consider how what we could do in relation to that. But one of the things that I think is of, of concern in our market is how much of a leaky market we are. So in the UK, with their put up or shut up rule, their regulator, the whole regulator in the UK is the takeover panel. They have their own market surveillance function. People come to them to let them know what deals are being considered. And if there's any leak or any run on the market, they get the announcement out. And that's when the put up or shut up rule applies. And that means there's quite a orderly market in the UK. And I think there is a lot of talk in the Australian market that it's a little bit um, Rafferty's rules in that respect. Now, that's a matter more for ASIC than us, but how that all works with put up or shut up and that sort of thing will be, I think, of some debate. But the degree in which we can influence that as dispute resolution bodies, I think, will be a big issue going forward. Well, speaking of a leaky market, the panel obviously had a few things to say about media canvassing in the recent Nitro software matter. Uh, Alan, you have previously pointed out to me that it is uh, uh, an offence under the ASIC Act to be in contempt of the panel. I'd like to just confirm to, to the viewers that wasn't anything I'd done. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so the panel has, has more powers there. Is there anything more we can see from the panel on that whole media canvassing issue? I, th I think it won't be the last time the panel will ask um, parties to swear up to statutory declarations that they hadn't actually talked to the media. So, you know, that comes at a great cost to parties. Well, the panel will continue, I suspect, to do that, and that will hopefully put a bit of a break on that sort of behaviour. I think also we'd be referring matters to ASIC for, for issues around contempt. Whether ASIC does anything in relation to that will depend upon their priorities and and whether it's possible to prosecute. That's that is kind of a little bit of a problem with those um, provisions, Tony. That they're not we don't we don't have the power to put people into jail, um, um, but um, so we'd have to actually refer the matters to ASIC and then they'd have to go to the DPP. So that's quite a long process. So Alan, another question: You've been at the panel for fifteen short years. Um, you must have seen a lot of. Uh, a lot of interesting things over those years. What jumps out at as one of the more memorable moments? We get some quite um, interesting characters come before us. So there was one um, 
there was one individual who we found out that he had come into his lawyer's offices with a baseball bat. So we were a little bit nervous about um, dealing with him, and then he then proceeded to tell me that I would be, I would get a venomous spray towards me at, at the end of the matter. So I'm glad to say that I've had no venomous spray um, as as of as of today, at least, and that was about ten years ago. So that's that's good. Um, when I was at ASIC, I actually had made a couple of applications to the panel, and one of those was in relation to a bid made by an armed robber in WA, um, and we thought it was not. Um, good for inducive to an orderly market to have an armed robber just lodge a bid in for a, UK, for, for a um, WA mining company. So um, so I made that application and the poor panel had to deal with an armed robber. Um, so that had its own challenges for them, I guess. Um, I'm somewhat surprised they actually employed me after that, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen, final question. Our viewers always love a tip. So... Hypothetically speaking, if there are any viewers out there who happen to be M&A partners at a leading firm who may have written a book on schemes of arrangement, maybe even had a little video series, but have never been invited to be on I the mean, takeovers panel. one in particular. I couldn't possibly comment. Just a general, a general question, a general question. Any tips there, Alan, for those uh, hypothetical sorts of people? They, 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 these, these are decisions of the government, not the panel. I should, I should make that very clear. Um, and... The main tip is actually to talk to your New South Wales government representative to put them put your name forward, and um, just to be persistent. Which you got that? I'll take some notes. Persistence is always um, will always be rewarded in the end. <laughs> Thank you, Alan, very much for coming in today to talk to us. Uh, it's been very informative, uh, as it always is. So thank you for your time. Thank you. In the next episode of Himalayan Bites, we will be doing a quarter one wrap. I very much look forward to you joining us then.